Welcome to the Same But Different podcast, a show that celebrates humanity, the ways we love others, the ways we keep love from coming in. We're going to dig deep. This show brings a dash of vulgarity and a whole lot of audacity to the Enneagram. If you're looking to know yourself on a deeper level, nurture healthier relationships, foster richer connections, and improve communication to make that happen, then you're in the right place, my friend. Hi, I'm your host, Amy, Enneagram alchemist and a fiercely supportive sister stepping in stride beside you. Are you ready to feel fucking seen? Are you ready to see others? Because I'm ready to ask those questions. The very things we're trying to avoid are exactly what we need to embrace in order to grow. So kick back. Take off your bra, get comfy, and let's fucking do this. Welcome back to the Same But Different podcast. Today we are going to talk all things Enneagram typing. This is the number one message, the number one question I get. What's the best Enneagram test? So let's get right into it. This is the most important step of this entire journey, landing on your correct type. There is no point to this journey if you're mistyped. So let's talk about those tests and why I think they're bullshit. So I myself am an elder millennial or a geriatric millennial, if you will. I grew up reading Cosmopolitan and Seventeen Magazine and taking all the quizzes that help predict all the ridiculous things in life. And now we're in the world of wanting to Amazon Prime our entire lives. We want our packages and we want our results and we want them yesterday. And I get it. I'm part of that. Um, As far as typing with the test, I typed as a two. My husband typed as a seven. My best friend typed as an eight. And all were correct. So can you take a quiz and land on the correct type? Absolutely. But my question is, if you take those quiz results, how do you know you've landed on the correct type? How do you know that it's right? Especially if you're a type nine, which we're going to dive into more in a minute. And if you've never done this work before and the Enneagram is absolutely brand new to you, and this is your very first step, how in the hell do you know that the answer it spits out is you? And honestly, it's not meant to be as easy as taking a damn test. It's not meant to be something trendy that we all do at a party and pass around our probably incorrect results. This is an inner journey. The purpose is self-discovery. Most tests and quizzes are only going to be about, I don't know, 70% inaccurate, right around there. And that's because they're focusing on the behavior and not able to test for motivation or many other things. And the combination of behavior and motivation is how we understand our types. So I have three girlfriends who all typed as twos on quizzes, but it turns out they're all actually type eights. And I'm going to use that as an example to show what I mean about behavior versus motivation. So type twos have been dubbed the helpers. And in a lot of tests, there are a lot of questions asking about helping. But a lot of people like helping for all different reasons. So I don't know, type ones, they might like helping, especially if they find it to be the appropriate thing to do or just because they're good people. You might be surprised to know that some type twos actually do not like helping. So maybe I'm typing as a two and all the answers around helping are likely tied to twos. But if I put no in, that could direct me towards, right, some mistyping. Type threes could potentially answer yes to helping as they tend to be big cheerleaders, cheerleaders and advocates for their people. Sixes could answer yes to helping because they're especially for people they're close with and they're loyal to. Eights might want to help because they want to help their chosen close people 
and the underdogs. So do you kind of see where I'm going here? There's just no way to know the depths of someone's motivation in life by a couple of fucking questions online. And for some people, it can take a lot longer to land on their type. And I get how that can be frustrating. I have a lot of respect for that and a lot of compassion for that. But if you are mistyped and you're going down the incorrect types path, you're going down their growth path, you're looking into their stress path, it's all misaligned and it's not true to who you are. And it's a massive waste of your time and likely confusing as hell. So if you want to take a quiz first, take a quiz. I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I would invite you to consider that quiz or test as only the first of a couple of steps. So there's a link in my show notes for a free quiz through Truity. And then there is a link for a quiz that costs $10 and it's through the narrative Enneagram. So once you take those quizzes, what we are going to do, hopefully this is an invitation to not take them at face value. Truity, for example, at the very end of it, you're going to get a pie chart of your results. And it's going to show um, different sizes of the slices of pie, depending on how you answered the question. And at the very bottom, it'll say you typed as a you know four or whatever. So since in Trudy, since you aren't giving them your email or any kind of identifying information, once you leave that page, your results are gone. So I always recommend at the end of every quiz, whenever you get those results, no matter how they spit out or how they look, take a screenshot. Then there is another link in the show notes that's titled Touring the Nine Types. We're going to take your top three to four results. I say we as we're doing this together. You are going to take your top three to four results, and you're going to do a deeper dive in Touring the Nine Types section of the Narrative Enneagram. Now, they have everything laid out on those pages beautifully, and it's not so much information that you couldn't look at three or four types in one evening. Um, there also is another huge piece of this that I'm going to dive into much deeper on another episode, but probably it's going to require an entire series, but a really big piece that is ignored during a lot of Enneagram tests or quizzes is what's called the Enneagram instinctual subtype. We actually have three basic survival strategies that are known as our instincts. So with the Enneagram that shows up as self-preservation, and that is responding to perceived threats and needs. And it's how we express our relationship to materials, security, food, um, warmth, family, and home. And then we have the social instinct. And that is creating social structures within communities. And it shapes our friendships and our participation in groups and within our communities. And then the one-to-one or the sexual subtype. That is about primary relationships or couplings, and it fuels our personal vitality, sexuality, and intimate relationships. So those subtypes are expressed in our lives, and we do embody all three of those, but one tends to be our dominant instinct, and it impacts how your main type shows up. Within all nine types, we have those three instincts, which means that we actually have a total of 27 instinctual subtypes. It's so much more than just the nine types. And I'm just going to use fours here as a really quick example. So you can be either a self-preservation four, a social four, or a sexual four. Or I guess instead, if you don't want to say sexual four, you could say one-to-one four. It's the same thing. And that goes for all types. So my three friends that I mentioned earlier who typed as twos, who are really eights, they are social eights. And eights is the counter type meaning that they don't always outwardly present as their main type. 
again, this is a huge conversation that I'm going to come back to with additional episodes. I'm sharing all of that to say, do you see why I talk my shit on these quizzes? There are so many other factors here. And I, I didn't even mention trauma. Trauma is a huge one. And it can greatly change how you answer those questions. And it might just take some extra reflection, which is really the overarching theme here. Extra reflection, taking the time to really dive deeper. And if you want to bypass the quizzes completely, so you have no interest in the quizzes, you can skip and just go straight to that touring the nine types link in the notes and go through and read them. It is not hundreds of pages of data. It's really high level information broken down into digestible content. And it's worth the time. You are worth taking the time to land on the right type. So I know I mentioned nines earlier. I want to circle back to them here. I don't have any hard statistics, accurate data on how often nines are mistyped, but I would say that it's incredibly common. The percentage is probably pretty damn high. And the reason for that is that nines are able to see themselves in other types and they tend to be disconnected from themselves. So if you combine those two things together, it would be very easy to mistype, especially if you're a human who can see traits of other people within you. So let's say you're a nine, but you actually take, you take a quiz and then you type as a two, which sidebar is a very common mistype for nine. So is five. So is four. My first question is always going to be, how do you know that that's the correct type? And also there are some outward similarities with nines and twos that on paper would be very easy for a nine to believe that they're a two, right? Twos become pretty aggressive when they go in their stress line of eight. Uh, nine's stress line goes to six. So they go from this place of an inner and calm world that they prefer to becoming more anxious and insecure. But on paper, they could read that as being aggression, anything that pushes against that calm world. It could come across as that. Also, nines and twos tend to both be positive, supportive, avoid conflict, put others before themselves. They both struggle with boundaries. They can both struggle with saying no and they both have pretty indirect uh, communication styles. So it would be really easy for a nine to say, yep, that's me. And also every single one of those things I listed, positive, supported, avoiding conflict, those are all behaviors. And that is not what we are looking at here. Why is someone supportive? That's the question. Why is someone avoiding conflict? Me as a two, I'm gonna avoid conflict for a different reason than a nine. I'm gonna put people ahead of me for a different reason than someone who leads with nine. I struggle with boundaries for a different reason than someone who's a nine. And that's what it's all about. It's the why behind everything. And those quizzes just don't ask the right questions. So really nines really need to take the time to get to know themselves. But to be clear, we all do. Again, that's the point of it. And that's why we can't take these quizzes at face value. It just requires a little more introspection, a little more research, a little more digging. So I did a little poll on Instagram and asked, what are some, some typing questions you have for me? So I got a couple of responses there that are pretty good. And then I just got some common ones that have come up that I want to go over. So if you are going to take a quiz, make sure you are thinking of a large portion of your life when it comes to take, uh, to answering those questions, not just how would you answer those today as you at this age and this moment in time? So let's say you're in your 40s. Look back into your teenage years. Definitely look into your 20s. Look into your 30s. 
Look into previous decades. Now, if you are in your 20s today, you only have so many decades to go back. Consider your childhood. Consider your teenage years. Now, if you're someone who has done a lot of personal development work, also consider how you would have answered those questions before you did the work. A really common conversation I'm having with people is around children. At what age can they type? Can we type our kids? Can we type our kids? Again, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I've got a couple of friends who have got young kids and we're pretty sure we've got their number figured out. However, we, I like to say, we hold this number for them loosely. It's not our journey. We have no idea. I don't know what their motivations are. Their parents might not know what their motivations are. So I always recommend that parents are holding these numbers pretty loosely for their kids. Also, if you take the type out of it all together with your children, how can you be deeply supportive and meet and hold them where they are? Are they deeply emotional? Do they take up a lot of space? Do they need a lot of structure? Are they highly competitive? Do they tend to isolate and be alone often? Are they really shy and introverted? Whatever it is, whoever they are, however they present to this world, how can you celebrate and support exactly who your kids already are without making it about you? Like in what ways can you take the time to just get to know them with no agenda attached to it? As you're doing that, as you're just getting to know them, you should be able to start seeing some patterns and noticing some patterns. Like, okay, I've read about the nine types. My child is potentially showing some traits of a type eight. I'm going to get curious and maybe ask some questions around that and loosely hold type eight for them. And along the way, I really think that a couple of types will show up that could potentially be their type. But remember, we're not trying to put them in a box or have them go down any path with this. It's really just something at a high level that you can hold for them until they're old enough to kind of do that work on their own. What about when I score high on multiple types? So whenever, if you take the Trudy quiz, um, a lot of quizzes do this. It'll either rank your types in order or it'll give you a percentage out to the side. Trudy is going to be a pie chart. Certain slices of the pie will be bigger. So when you score high for more than one type on a quiz, that usually means that you're either identifying with the traits and behaviors of more than one type, which is normal, or you're just unsure about which traits and behaviors fit you best. And what does that tell us? It just means you've got to look deeper into yourself. And that's always going to be what this is coming back to. And is your second highest score on a quiz your wing? No. A lot of times you'll see like two, seven, and nine will be the highest, three, seven, and eight, five, four, and nine. So let's say your highest scores in order are three, seven, and eight. Asking that question, you would ask like, oh, if my second highest score is seven, am I, am I three wing seven? As far as wings go, they have to be adjacent to your primary type. So let's say you are a type four. Your only options for wings are four wing three, four wing five. Let's say you're type nine. Your only options for wing are nine wing eight, nine wing one. So it's either whatever's on the left and whatever's on the right, and that's it. You cannot be a three wing seven, an eight wing one, a nine wing four. Um, and I haven't seen, I don't think I've seen, I'm sure it could exist out there. I'm not saying it doesn't, but I don't think I've seen a quiz that also spits out your wing as well. I'm not saying that that's not a thing, but you typically will figure out your wing with just reading about that information on, like from a reliable source. 
Okay, what else? Can your type change or do you ever need to retest? No, your type doesn't change. There's several schools of thoughts or many schools of thoughts out there around how our type forms. Some people are going to say that we're born our type and that's that. You just come out the womb a four, you just come out the womb an eight or a one, whatever it might be. Others say that our type is activated in our formative years, that it's like a reaction or a defense that happened as an event. So something triggered your type structure to show up. It might've showed up as a way to protect you, to defend you. It might've been a reaction to something. And while I can, you know, technically see it either way, I'm more inclined to go with that second one. Um, If you've had a lot of trauma and your answers are based during a traumatic time in your life, or maybe you're actively experiencing some deep trauma, and you're answering based on who you are today within your trauma, it might be worth revisiting down the road, especially if you've done work to really heal that trauma. Trauma is a whole beast on its own. Not typing others. I think I have made it blatantly clear here that this is an inner journey. I'm sick of saying it. I'm sure you're sick of hearing it. (laughs) Also, when you type other people, it just leaves room for a lot to go wrong. You can obviously send them down the wrong path. There's a lot of stereotyping about certain types. And also, if you are typing someone else, you are looking at their behaviors. And I think we've already discussed multiple times that the behaviors alone are how we get mistyped. And I know that there's certain people that might present a certain way. Someone in a moment can be really bold and loud and maybe they're an eight or maybe they're a really stressed too right? Like you just, there's so many ways that our types show up and it is really not for us to pin that on anyone else. Another really good question someone asked me is what if I identify with traits in other types? So we all have the Enneagram within us and it really is a structure just based on humanity. Like just because I'm a two doesn't mean that I can't be logical like a five. And if we take the types out of it altogether, anyone can be logical. Anyone can use their heart to lead. Anyone can use their gut to lead. It's just how we're hardwired and what we tend to reach for naturally. And I would say that it's incredibly common and good to relate to other types. That means that we're not solely overusing our one type. We are not meant to do that. It's just our humanity. And I, what I don't want is people to think, oh, I'm just a six or I'm just a whatever type. No, you are a human who happens to lead with type six and have those traits and tendencies, but we are all so much more than just our Enneagram type. Having that mentality around, oh, I'm just a six and I'm just using six as an example. Oh, I'm just a six. That is putting you in a box. The purpose of the Enneagram is to actually get you out of a box. Or another way of saying that is the purpose of it is for that type structure to loosen right? So I'm just going to, I'm going to stick with sixes. Let's say you're a six. The purpose of it is to kind of, you can't see me, but I'm kind of like shaking my shoulders a little bit. It's to kind of shake free, break free from everything that our type holds us as. That's the whole point of it is to one day not necessarily look like our primary type. There's a lot of work that goes into that. Okay. So let's say that you've taken the quiz you got your top, your top four types and you've gone and done some research and you've narrowed it down and now you're stuck between two types. This happens a lot. People are like, oh, am I, am I a seven or am I a three or am I a one or am I a six? Whatever it might be, it's common to finally narrow down and you're stuck between two. 
there is another link in the show notes that is uh, labeled as type comparisons. So you can go to the, you can click on that and go to the narrative Enneagram page. And it's got a combination of all the nine types you could ever, that exist. And at that point, it's a really good way to drill down a little bit further and get specific around the differences between those two types. Also, I find this to be a really good opportunity to pull some of the close people into your life, into this process. Again, if that feels right and good and aligned for you, if not, just don't do it that way. But if that does feel right to you, maybe it's a good opportunity to say, hey, I'm stuck between one. I'm stuck between six. Here's where I think I really align with six. Here's where I really think I align with one. Here's where I'm struggling. I don't know. I would love some feedback from you on how I've kind of presented to you. I'm not saying go to someone else to have them type you and put the ball in their court. That's not what I'm saying. It's got to be your decision. But going to someone else and getting a little bit of an outsider's view couldn't hurt. Now, I say that, maybe you think that that would just confuse the hell out of you. And if you feel like that's the case, bypass that altogether. As with anything I share or anyone shares and puts out into this world, take what is for you and leave what is not. So if that sounds like a good plan for you, great. If not, move on from that. So I hope this has helped. I've tried to answer a good breath of questions here. If there's any other questions that come up, um, I have put a Q&A in the notes or below on Spotify. You can type some questions in there. I'm happy to respond or get with me on Instagram. I'm Aligned Soul Co. and we can take the chat there. Thanks for listening. Until next time, friends.